Hey folks, welcome to episode two of Inside the Control Room. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. A lot of times we live in the broadcast or video board or uh, sports world. Uh, today we're actually going to talk to Andy Huff, who is the video producer for your American Cancer Society. Welcome Inside the Control Room with your host, Bo Cordell. Today we're joined by Andy Huff. Andy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, tell us a little bit about your role here at the American Cancer Society. Sure. So my job here at the American Cancer Society is actually a pretty fun one. I lead our multimedia team. So we are a team of five, and we handle all of the video production for the American Cancer Society. Everything from live events to pre-taped pieces that we use on the web, social media. Um, and it can run the full scale of um, you know, supporting revenue to supporting health messages. So at the end of the day, our job is to tell the American Cancer Society story, uh, to ensure that people know who we are, what we do, and how we can help them, uh, and really make sure we get across the message of the organization, which is that we save lives, we celebrate lives, and we're here to lead the fight for a world without cancer. Awesome. Pretty big mission, right? I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, when you think about, when I think about when I got started in this business in college, when I really got interested in production, uh, I didn't really think I would find a job where I could put all of those fun things, the technical skills, the being able to tell a good story to play in a way that actually has a, a larger impact than just putting dollars in my pocket. It's cool because I've mostly lived in the sports world. You know, if we have a bad day, it's because a team lost or, or um, we threw up the wrong graphic. Your production's actually making a difference in lives, much you know, much more directly than sporting events do. Yeah, well, it certainly we hope so, right? I mean, that's the end game is we hope so, and really the the stories we get to tell through our productions, and that's the lens we try to put on everything we do, right? Is that we're really telling stories about people that have been impacted by cancer, or people um, you know that are helping in the fight against cancer. So you do a lot of post-produced type stuff that you put out on the web. Um, tell us a little about, bit about the live stuff you do. Sure. So we do um, a couple of uh, different live productions. Uh, one is sort of internally focused to our staff. We have a little about 5,000 staff across the country spread out um, in small offices, home offices, everywhere. And so when you think about a very distributed workforce like that, uh, how do you get them together in a format where it's not just someone talking at them, but it can be a two-way conversation? So we use our studio space here in Atlanta to do a uh, monthly live one-hour talk show with our execs, and it's a two-way conversation. We Skype staff in to ask questions. We have interactive Q&A. Um, we roll pre-taped packages, and we do all of that um, out of our studio backbone, which is a, a TriCaster 8000 here in the studio, and we're able to use that in a very polished production that our staff are able to connect with and enjoy and be engaged with. Um, I think it was really important for us to figure out a way to not show our staff another WebEx or another web seminar or another conference call. And so we try to really work hard to produce a essentially a broadcast TV show for our staff that's engaging and entertaining and informative. And the feedback we get is great. Our staff love it. It's appointment viewing. Um, on almost any given month, uh, you know, 75 to 80% of our staff are tuning in live for that, um, wow. which is pretty incredible. And we pick up a lot more in the replay. Wow. So tell us a little bit uh, technically about, about how you broadcast that. Um, sure. 
from the studio here in Atlanta out to everybody across the country. Sure. So, uh, as you can imagine, with 5,000-plus staff all on the same network, um, sort of pushing individual live stream streams or anything has the real potential to to crash a network when you've got that many people hitting single streams. So, um, we utilize a vendor that helps us um, with a plug-in that's essentially peer casting. It helps us distribute the load across the network. So, instead of hitting 5,000 streams, you know, one stream is coming in and that stream is serving as a server and branching out. So we're able to really distribute the load. So we do utilize a vendor to help us sort of push that to the network. Originating from here in Atlanta, we um, do SDI, spin it down to ASI and uh, push it over to Encompass Digital Media, who's essentially a large satellite fiber farm here in Atlanta. They send it over the fiber pipe ASI to our vendor who unwraps it and then magically it's back to our staff. Awesome. So you have a fiber connection within Compass here in Atlanta? We do. So 24-7 on. So um, that's uh, perfect for uh, doing this kind of work, but it's also perfect for, hey, there's breaking news and CNN, Fox, MSNBC wants one of our experts here in the building. We drag them down from their office, sit them in the studio, and we're up to CNN, MSNBC, Fox, whoever wants us. Um, so it's been really nice to, to make sure that our voice uh, can be immediate and relevant in breaking news or cancer news. All right, so talk to us a little bit about uh, the design of the control room and and using new tech products. Sure. So uh, when we first built the studio back in 2007, so 10 years ago now, um, in the building, you can imagine that um, technology looked a lot different than it does today, right? And so um, as we started looking at how do we upgrade from SD to HD um, back in 2009, 2010, Um, We really tried to think about how could we build a studio that was lean and mean, but also could potentially um, be taken on the road with us. Um, We knew that we had a lot of important events, a lot of offices distributed where we might want to go live. And so we really looked at how could we build a backbone that essentially would not just be a permanent rack install in the space, but that could live in a road case, essentially, and we might be able to take it on the road. So uh, we started out with a new tech TriCaster 450, which is one of the first in the Southeast, um, and it was a great tool for us. Um, It really helped us be smaller and portable and more efficient uh, with less cabling and really a lot less drama than some of the old stuff. Um, you know, I, I can distinctly remember when we converted the studio to the new TriCaster standing beside a, a pile of cable that was hip high uh, that we were able to just pull out. We didn't need it anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the move from analog to digital really helped. Um, we used that tool and it was great and we had an opportunity in the last year and a half to upgrade to the TriCaster 8000 with advanced edition software on it, um, which really allows us a lot more flexibility in the production side, but it also gives us the opportunity within that interface to to push directly to Facebook Live, to push directly to Livestream, to push out fiber all at the same time. So now, whereas we were solely reliant on a fiber connection, or if we were in the field, a satellite truck to a fiber connection, now, as long as we have an internet connection, we can essentially push out um, anywhere. Right. And of course, we're really excited to try here in uh, the next couple of months. We've got a, a show planned in D.C. Uh, from the Lincoln Memorial. So think about that for a moment, trying to get a SAT truck and all the permits right, uh, to park right. a SAT truck, right? Uh, think about trying to find internet. It's not like we can go up behind old Abe and plug in and, and plug have in access Cat 5 cable, right? <laughs> to, to Cat5, right? <laughs> so we're really excited to try a, a, a new piece of gear from Teradek, um, which essentially 
uh, takes cell cards, mm-hmm. cell data cards, and uh, it can take up to six, and uh, we can do a full HD broadcast show literally over cell. Wow. Um, so, it, you know, it's new territory for us, uh, so we're doing a lot of testing right now, as you can imagine, but um, really excited to see if we can make that work. Think about, you know, uh, if we had to rent a truck, even a small truck, a sat truck, I mean, we're looking at between three and $5,000 to have a truck there parked on the hill. Well, the little box from Teradek is thirty five hundred bucks. Right. So, and you, and, know, you and have I own it forever. It, right. And I own it forever. Right? right. So, that's really why I think we started pushing ourselves with the technology. Right. I mean, when you think about, um, you know, we're not a big corporation with, um, you know, maybe lots of profit dollars uh, sitting around where we can invest a lot in technology. Anything we invest in technology is less dollars that may be going toward research or the next treatment or patient support. And so we really try hard here, and I think it's a unique situation being in the nonprofit production world, right? Um, to really think about like every dollar we spend to produce, while it's very valuable and it helps us tell our story and it's important and it's dollars well spent, every dollar that we can save by using technology and getting our units smaller and more efficient and less costly are dollars that can go back to more research and, and supporting our mission. And I've always been very impressed with how far y'all are able to stretch the dollars with your, your setup and your control room. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. I mean, um, when you think about uh, the American Cancer Society, 100 plus years old, and some of these other legacy nonprofits out there, right? You know, I think as we look to sort of make sure we're staying relevant, um, you know, we can't just do what we did 100 years ago or 50 years ago or 30 years ago. We've got to make sure we're on the cutting edge. And so, using this technology in our control room to tell stories um, that impact people, you know, more quickly um, and more immediately um, makes a big difference for us, right? And we can do that very cost effectively. I'll give you just a, a quick example. You know, we did a show last year where we took our portable, you know, four foot by four foot rolling case studio, mm-hmm. rolled it down to uh, the Mall of America, you know, think giant institution there at Mall of America. And we did a live show from there and we hit Facebook. Uh, we were able to hit Facebook Live. Okay. First time we had the new TriCaster, we hit Facebook Live directly. And, you know, my uh, team and I were talking beforehand, like, hey, what would we be happy with? Oh, it'd be great if we got, you know, 10,000 views on this thing. Right. Well, at the end of the hour-long show on Facebook Live, we had a quarter million views. Wow. And by the next day, it was 1.2 million impressions. Wow. You know, and so that for us was huge because yeah. we had just, I mean, we literally had not just doubled or tripled, we'd quadrupled our previous, you know, audience size. Right. And, oh, by the way, that production, had we rented a truck, would have been seventy-five grand. We did the whole shebang with rental gear and crew and our travel and shipping our gear for seventeen grand. Wow. Right? So 1.2 million impressions for 17 grand. We got a hell of a value for, <laughs> Absolutely. you know, we got a lot of eyeballs for uh, a very and, little and amount. And I'm sure that, that helps significantly drive donation dollars when you can Absolutely. pull something like that off and, and really show what y'all are about. Yeah. You know, it helps people connect with who we are and what we're doing, right? And I think that at the end of the day, it's it really gets back to telling stories, right? And I think... Um, you know, that's one of the things when I started in production, I started in, in news, right? And so it really was about the story going on air. Um, and so I, I continue that lens today. Even if we're doing a live event, even if it's a media feed with our expert, we're telling stories. We're sharing information in a way that's telling a story about who we are and what we do. And our hope is that the story is engaging enough 
that you listen, you learn something, and ultimately, you know, we hope you'll donate and support the organization which is doing its best to save lives. Yeah, well, and, and we've all been touched by cancer in, in one way or the other. It's certainly been top of mind in my family recently. Yeah. And, you know, it, the, the videos that y'all are producing are just incredible. It really, um, you know, it's, uh, somebody asked me the other day, hey, do you ever get tired of telling the same story? And the answer is no, it's not the same story. Yes, we tell stories about cancer. We tell stories about cancer survivors. We tell stories about cancer researchers. But each one of them is unique, just like each one of us in life is unique. You know, I could talk to you, I could talk to somebody else, and we're all going to have a, an interesting or slightly different story. And I think, you know, that's what's fun about what we do is that every piece we produce, we're, we're telling a story that's unique. Yes, it is about a cancer survivor, and yes, we've done five stories about cancer survivors this year, but they all have a unique and different spin, and they all connect with people uh, in a very different way, right? So that mom that has breast cancer, hearing from another mom who has breast cancer, there's a connection there that doesn't exist from that mom who has breast cancer with the dad with prostate cancer, right? right? And so it really is about getting those stories out there and finding what resonates with our audience um, in a way that that moves them to action. You you came from a news background, uh, radio and TV. Yep. Tell me what specific challenges you have here in kind of the nonprofit corporate world um, that you know are different than than people in in the sports or the news industry. Sure. You know, I think it's um, it's really interesting. I, and and I you know my experience with news is certainly um, in radio and and college um, as we talked about. And you know I, I just remember the pace being so fast, right? Decisions are being made at 100 miles an hour, right? And so, you know, you're empowered to make a decision on a production. You punch the button, and if that was the wrong button, so be it. Mistake was made. You recover. You move on. And there's not a lot of back-and-forth conversation about, is this the right shot? Is that the right shot? You're, you're in that environment where it's just happening, and you're just punching the button. I think the biggest shift for me into the corporate world was, and the nonprofit world was, you know, we have time on a lot of our pre-produced packages for people to collaborate. And I say that in a good way. It's important to have those voices, but, you know, it's not immediate. It could take two weeks of approvals and people weighing in on, you know, and so it's been a really difficult, I think, switch for me to go from feeling empowered to punch the button and make the call and if it was the wrong call, so be it, we recover, we do the next thing, to, okay, I've now pushed all the buttons, here's what I believe is the best package, now let's circulate it for approval and see if we can get everybody to weigh in, right? right. I mean, there is a there's a tipping point in collaboration, I think, yep. um, which, uh, you know, it, it's really interesting to me, right? I mean, in, in news and in sports, just, you know, hearing what you do and are able to pull off, like, it takes a team that clicks really well together. And, and it's true over here is just sort of on a more extended timeline with a lot more people weighing in sure. um, sometimes than... But you're able to do enough live broadcast where you get the thrill of live. Exactly. So and you, we so can... You still have a little taste of it. Exactly. Um, you know, and I think the, uh, you know, the fun of live for us and the fun of having the studio is, you know, as anytime you do anything with equipment, there's always a bug somewhere. There's always something technical to, to chase down, right? That part is still really fun for me. This sounds really strange to say. I love it when something is broken. Yeah. But, like, that's a part of my brain that I I enjoy using. Like, okay, all right. You've always been one of the best troubleshooters I've ever worked with. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. But I know that I love using that part of my brain. Yeah. And I love using that part of my brain under pressure. 
right? That there's there's yeah. that certain thrill that comes from like, oh my God, we're three minutes to air and we just lost camera one. What the hell happened? Yeah. Let me start figuring out. Okay, it could be this. No, it's not that. Trace it to the next one. Okay, here we go. Oh, there's the problem. Fixed it. Okay, let's go. Rock the very first time we ever worked together, we had about three minutes before a live hit on CNN. Yes. And we were tracing down a mic issue, and you didn't even know my name, and we were just, I mean literally trying everything you know and between the two of us we figured it out with 30 seconds to go we had our live cnn hit and i mean just that that thrill it is a thrill right you know i mean it's it's that uh, for people that don't work in the business like i mean it's it's strange to say and you know i'm very fortunate our environment is very stable and i'm very fortunate that you know we're not tearing down our environment and resetting it up every day like a mobile show might do um but it is fun when we do have those little challenges. Um, there is that thrill and that satisfaction of going, hell yeah, we fixed that and we made air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Can you can you think of a time where something went horribly wrong? Tell yeah. me a story, Andy. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you about a time where things got really hairy really fast. Uh, so about three years ago, we were doing a, a live show on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. We're set up right in front of the Capitol reflecting pool. And um, because of permitting and everything else, there's there's no erecting of tents. There's no cover, right? So essentially my set is a couple of broad lights and four director's chairs sitting on the grass outside of the Capitol reflecting pool. We're sitting in a truck parked on the street, and all of a sudden somebody knocks on the door and says, you know the weather's changing. And we look up, sure enough, a huge cloud is rolling oh, in. No. And we're, you know, we're 10 minutes to air. And, you know, I literally had to go out to the host and go, all right, guys, if it starts raining, you're going to have to grin and bear it because there is literally nothing. nothing there is nothing I can do at this point, right? I, <laughs> right. There is no backup plan right. at this point other than dragging everybody into an RV with one cam and hoping we can pull something off, right? So, you know, it was really uh, interesting to be in a truck and everything else is happening outside and really watching the weather through the lens of a camera going, oh, don't rain, don't rain, don't rain. (laughs) You know, we made it through an hour show with a few sprinkles on Mm -hmm. and off, no downpour. Um, You know, gear was safe, show was safe. We pulled it off, (sighs) but it was hairy, man. It was like, uh, you know, uh, we always, as technical folks, want to have a backup to the backup to the backup in case something blows up. And that was just one of those situations where there was no backup. We were at the mercy of the skies, Mm -hmm. and fortunately we made it. But high pucker factor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally. Are there any specific tools or uh, pieces of equipment that, that you couldn't live without? Yeah, you know, I, I think, Bo, uh, as far as gear goes in the studio, one of the things that has really allowed us to expand our reach and to hear a lot more voices on our on our live shows uh, is our Skype box, essentially. Yeah, tell the, me about uh, that. So it's the talk it's show. another piece of new tech gear. New tech talk show um, unit. And this particular unit that we have um, is able to do four uh, live Skypes at one time. So this is a, a proprietary piece of gear that they worked with Skype to build. So it's essentially broadcast quality Skype connections that we get, um, which is really great for us. And so it really has allowed us to bring in a lot more voices. Um, I think one of our, our highest rated shows we got some of the best feedback on is we were able to actually Skype connect to one of our um, funded researchers. So here's a researcher mm-hmm. in a lab in Massachusetts that we're funding through a grant from the American Cancer Society. 
Society. So all those donations pulled together, funded this lady's research, and she literally is showing us the coolest piece of tech that she's developed and how it can test cancer cells and show doctors exactly what kind of cancer cell is there. And we're getting to watch that live on the show. And our staff are going crazy. Oh, my God, this is so great. When you think about... You know, of our 5,000 staff, how many of them get a chance to step foot inside a lab right. and get that experience right. or see real time what those dollars are paying for? Right. You know, sure, five years from now, we might do a video about that discovery, but now we were able to really connect and cost effectively. It literally was the woman and happening. her computer on free Skype, you know, to our piece of gear, and we're able to see it live. I think that really has opened up a lot of uh, possibilities for us. So that piece of gear in particular... Um, you know, I, I really, we couldn't live without it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about the, the live show we did from the Mall of America, we even had it there with us. And we were able to bring in a voice from a, a global Relay for Life participant from South Africa. Middle of the night in South Africa. Yeah. The guy gets up, fires up his computer and Skype, and he's live to 250,000 people On across Facebook. the world. Right. And one, you know, uh, it was pretty amazing, actually. Incredible. Um, and when you think about, you know, uh, not that long ago, I can remember, like, okay, when Skype first came out, what's the possibility? How do we get this thing built in to, could we possibly bring it in? You know, and it was a whole series of computers linked together and special video cards and all of this stuff. And it was sort of a hacked together solution. Right. I mean, this this box from New Tech, um, the talk show unit is, you know, it's all in one. It's one RU, yeah. it slips in and, you know, a network connection and you're, you're good to go. So New Tech's just come out with this new, what's it called? ND- NDI. NDI. Uh, NDI. NDI. So, how how do you anticipate using this in the future? Because it's all IP. Yeah, it's all IP, IP video, right? Um, and it's really, I mean, when you think about um, removing the need for a hard SDI cable or multiple SDI cables or whatever, and being able to send and receive video and audio all over a Cat five or Cat six cable, it, it's game changing, really and truly. Like, I mean, if you think about that from, I mean, I think about our, our studio, our hardware studio, and all the cable we have in the walls and how much of that could go away completely. And we could run five, you know, Ethernet cables out there and, and we're, we're good to go, right? So I think NDI is going to be really, um, you know, it was the talk of NAB this year. Like, it, it everybody feels like it's going to be very cutting edge. It's going to, help people do production a lot more. For me, I'm excited about it because there's all sorts of, um, you know, third-party tools that are coming out, right? I mean, we talked about the little boxes that essentially are wireless. And so as long as your main switcher is on a wireless network, you set these boxes to be on the same wireless network and plug in your SDI cable from your camera and it'll run tally, it'll run comms, it'll send audio back. Uh, You get a return on it all in a little tiny box, you know? So... You think about our DC show, right? If I could send that wirelessly back to my switcher, there's a 500-foot cable run that's out, mm-hmm. right? Which a 500-foot cable run is fiber, which for me, I don't own a lot of fiber, so that's a rental cost. So, right. again, it's all about and like a, looking. And a big possible point of failure. Uh, absolutely. Or a lot of points of failure. Absolutely. Um, I think NDI is going to be really cool. I think it's going to push the envelope on what we know in production. And, and I think it's going to help solve a lot of problems, particularly for... Um, corporations, nonprofits, and and little studios that want to get into the space but don't have a lot of money to invest. Well, you're I not think... you're not limited to the infrastructure you have anymore. I mean, it's the the storytelling ability is really now up to the creativity of the producer. Yeah, absolutely. So much more is possible for for so much less. Yeah, exactly. What's the biggest pain point you have? You know, what's what's the biggest challenge you run into on a daily basis here? 
Yeah, I think for us, the biggest pain point is really looking at how do we meet our audience where they are, right? It's, it's easy to sit back in an office or a studio or an edit suite and go, this is the right story to tell. And yes, there's an art to that, but there's also the very important piece of listening to our audience and understanding how our audience is consuming media, right? Um, you know, I, I can think not that many years ago when I started producing videos for the American Cancer Society, it wasn't unusual to have a seven-minute video that was distributed on DVD and, you know, a, a, a meeting in, you know, Poughkeepsie, New York, popped the DVD in and played it. Now, can you imagine how, I mean, it, it sounds ridiculous, <laughs> right. me even talking about it, right? right? Like, I can't think of the last time we had to burn a DVD, right? Everything is distributed, you know, what was a seven-minute video now has to be 60 seconds, for a social media clip, if that, you right. know, um, really just trying to stay up to speed with how the audience is consuming media. And just as the technology on the back end is helping us produce it better, the technology on the front end is helping the consumer consume it in a different way. And so keeping those two in balance is is a challenge, mm -hmm. right? I mean, when you really think about, okay, we got this great technology on the back end that helps us produce content, but is it content that is being consumed by the audience. And so it really is that, that balance of ins ensuring that how the consumer is taking in our content and wanting our content, we're producing it in that way. Mm -hmm. um, we could have the coolest tool in the world, but if the audience doesn't care that we have 17 layers of graphics on a short clip for social media, then why did we waste our time right. with that right. gear, right? Um, and so I think it's... That's a real challenge sometimes. Uh, the world changes around us all the time in the blink of an eye, and keeping up with that and, and carving out the time to keep up with it mm -hmm. um, is a real challenge, right? Well, as techie guys, you know, we've, <laughs> there, there, there were times where we were like, oh, we can do a live shot from the roof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's do it. And then you're like, well, why? There, there's no reason to put a person on a roof. Like, right. What, what's the value of that? It doesn't help right? tell the story. Yeah. That, that right. is, you know, I think it's interesting. I, I, I'm i sort of uh, glad the conversation evolved to this because it's, it's something I really hadn't thought about until you and I just started talking. But uh, it is a balance of having cool technology, but, you know, in our world, it's got to connect or it doesn't matter if it's cool. Right. And, you know, I... I I can see that both ways, right? I mean, in one sense, the argument is, well, the cool technology will tell the audience what they want. You know, we, we use the cool technology and that tells the audience what they want. And that may be true in right. some cases, right? Like uh, a sports show that uses this latest graphics tool, you right. know, um, sure, the audience may come to love that. that I, I value that. I get that. But then there's also a piece of like, all right, I think, you know, listening to the audience and seeing what they want and then building tools to support that. It's a two-way street. Yeah, absolutely. It's a two-way street. And that's, that's top of mind for me because, you know, I'm uh, my bread and butter right now is the augmented reality graphics on a on a major network show. Yeah. And, you know, just because we can doesn't mean we should all the time. That's so it's, right. it's figuring out how to use that technology to better tell the story. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Tell us a little bit. You said you've got five people here on your team. Yep. So tell us a little bit about how that's divided up. Sure. So um, I lead our team, so I'm one of the five, and um, all of us here um, are what I like to call generalists. We can all pick up a camera and shoot. We can all sit down behind a computer and edit. We can all produce. We can all write. Um, so that's good. That really helps us do a lot. I mean, when you think about five people cranking out 350 live events or projects a year, 
Um, wow. It's pretty remarkable, the, the volume of work that we're able to do out of our team. Um, so we've got myself that leads the team and also writes and produces and edits a few pieces a year um, as needed. We've got a uh, producer and editor on the team uh, that does just what you would think. <laughs> they produce and edit, and she also shoots. Uh, we have an associate producer editor who takes a lot more of our sort of faster turn products um, that just need a quick turnaround, a quick edit, mm-hmm. and kick out the door. We have a production manager on the team that keeps it all organized, as you can imagine, with that volume of projects, uh, making sure that all of our releases are squared away and music rights and jobs are scheduled. Uh, couldn't live without that person um, on the team. And then uh, our EP for live events, uh, Dan, who manages our studio, keeps all the technology going, directs and TDs for us, also produces and edits. Um, so we really do, um, you know, we run lean, we're very efficient, um, and we get a lot done. You know, it's really great. I mean, when you think about uh, a four-camera production in the studio, um I'm able to do that an hour live show with just my five person team. Yep. You know, one of us runs audio, one of us directs in TDs. <laughs> we put two on cams and the other runs prompter and we do it, yeah. right? And so uh, for me, I'm not hiring freelancers to come in here and do a live show. We're all able to multitask and jump in there, um, which is how I think we are able to get a lot done. And, and frankly, you know, when you get the right people in the job, um, which this team is just amazing. Well, and it's been fun to watch you, you know, since you, you got here, build this team and really see them come into their own. It's, it's been fun for me to watch. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. Um, when I started hiring this team, so I had a chance to sort of rebuild the department in 2012, um, which I feel very fortunate to have been given that opportunity. And so we hired these, these guys and gals, and, you know, it really was a fun process uh, for me, right? So um, I made a first hire, and I knew the strengths that that person brought to the table and how they operated and what their personality was. The next hire I made, I made sure that person had different strengths and complemented, right? And so it was really fun. It's like, you know, putting together a puzzle, essentially, and then being able to watch that team really gel and grow. And I think that's that's the secret sauce to success in any production, right, is having a team that actually works together. Now, do we like each other and love each other every single day we come to work? Mm -hmm. No. That would be weird. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we gel together. We come together to get the job done. And I think it's it's true for, you know, live production, some of the stuff that you encounter on the road, right? Like a big old honking crew and seven trucks doesn't always like each other and love each other, but you better come together as a team and you better put all that aside to get it done. And that's what's really fun for us here too is we have a little bit more time to gel um, as a team um, Mm -hmm. but it's really great to see what we're able to accomplish and frankly um, you know one of the things that I think makes this team so great is that all of us are hungry to continue learning what's coming next and what's the next technology and what's the next technique and where's the next great story coming from Um, and I think that's what makes us actually work really well here at the American Cancer Society is we're not happy just continuing Status to edit quo. on Final Cut 7. Right. right. <laughs> you know, we're on the cutting edge of, okay, well, that's we got to adopt whatever the next thing is. Right. right. Um, and so that, again, that sort of technology piece is so critical to what we do. Right. I mean, it would be easy to sit here and say, like, I'm successful in my job because my team can tell a story. They know how to write or they know how to produce. While that sounds great, it's not true. They do do that, but 
they also are hungry for the next piece of technology and the next tool that they can use to better tell those stories. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where um, the right talent coupled with the right technology, you're going to achieve awesome success and you're going to do what you set out to do. Um, and we, we see that here. And we're very fortunate that we are able to invest in the technology as it comes along. And frankly, that the technology is becoming more cost effective. Right. It makes it a lot easier to pitch yeah. a new piece of gear. I'm sure. You know? I'm sure. As an aside, I have to give you a lot of the credit for uh, when I hired my first crew at Auburn University, um, you told me about the penny, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the penny icebreaker. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, I first, first crew my first year there brought in 25 students that don't know each other. And we had to, had to break the ice. So you had told me the penny trick where you just give everybody a penny and everybody has to read the, the year on the penny. Yep. And tell us a story that happened, you know, tell us about something that happened to them that year. Yep. So we went around the whole room, you know, everybody heard a story. And then at the end, you helped me wrap it up where it's like, all right, you know, everybody's got a story. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, but every story represents a memorable moment. And that's what we were trying to do at Auburn with our production. During yep. every game, you're trying to give the fans memorable moments. Yep. And it was just, it was really cool. And, and years later, my last game at Auburn, I don't think I've ever told you this, years later, my last game at Auburn, at the, uh, the end of the show, um, everybody went around the room with a penny and told a story about their experience on the crew and how much it meant to them. And they put all the pennies in a jar and gave it to me as my going away present. That is awesome. Yeah, that <laughs> That's was really, awesome, it was man. really special. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. You know, I um, motivating people is is sometimes ninety percent of the challenge. Um, right? There's an old um, Zig Ziglar quote that says, um, "Motivation doesn't last very long." Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. <laughs> right? That's great. That's so great. Uh, it's sort of good to remember. Um, yeah. It takes a healthy dose of motivation along the way yep. to keep people energized about the work that they're doing. You know, they've got to feel. And that's true anywhere you are. I mean, you know, outside looking in, you would think, oh, these people are, are part of an organiza organization that's helping save lives and make our future better. But I'm sure day to day, you know, it's, it's a job like any other. So it is tricky. And, yeah. you know, you do have to have to spend time on that. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. You know, there are those reports that have to be filed, those emails that have to be written, you know, uh, that paperwork that has to be done. But you got to stay motivated and remember that those things are enabling you or helping you do what you really love to do, which is tell stories. Yeah. You know, there's um, it, it sounds, uh, I guess, a bit cliche to continue to beat the storytelling piece or, the, or telling stories. But, you know, there's a very simple quote that just says storytelling is the most powerful way to put ideas into the world. And. It's true. We yep. live by stories. There's tons of research out there about, you know, how we connect with stories, um, you know, and I think it's um, I think it's so important to continue what we do through that lens. Right. I mean, in, in any production, I think. Right. It's interesting. I bet people I don't know, but I bet people in control rooms that are punching the, you know, the six o'clock news are not thinking, okay, my whole production, what I'm punching here is, is a story. Mm -hmm. But really, if you think about it at a macro level, like that 6 p.m. newscast or that, you know, 9 p.m. football game is a story to that audience. You are literally in control of how that story is evolving. Yes, the players on the field are playing the game and right. that's a core driver, but the shots you choose, the graphics you choose, that's forming that story for those people. And that's what's keeping your audience connected to what you're doing. And so I think that's, 
that's a really interesting lens, right? Um, as you can tell by how long I've rambled uh, <laughs> with you this morning. I, well, any, I can talk the side off a barn, but it's telling stories. Yeah. Anytime that people are willing to give you their attention, you know, that's that's special and that's not to be wasted. Yep. Yep. I think that's right. Um, yeah, I think that's right. All right. So tell me, tell me about one of the coolest parts of your job here as a producer. Sure. So one of the things I love the most is walking into a room with somebody who's agreed to be on video, right? And, you know, it's intimidating if you've never done it before to, to as an interview subject, to walk into a room. There's lights, there's cameras, there's gear, there's guys and gals running around behind the camera. It's really intimidating, right? And one of the most satisfying parts of my job is, and one of the biggest challenges for me that I get the greatest joy out of solving is making that person comfortable enough Mm -hmm. to sit down and to lose focus on everything that's around them and connect with me and be able to just have a conversation with me and me be able to make them comfortable as much as possible to build a rapport and trust quickly. You know, I mean, this is a 5, 10, maybe 15-minute interview, and that's a real challenge to connect with someone you've never met before, make them feel comfortable, and then ask them questions about some of the hardest stuff they've ever had to deal with in their life, a, a cancer diagnosis or someone in their family who's had cancer. Imagine how emotional that is and what a challenge it is as a person who've never met you to come in and sit down and try to make you comfortable enough to tell that story. Um, I don't get it right every time, but those moments where I'm able to, to make that connection with someone and make them comfortable enough to share sort of the deepest parts of their emotions and their feelings about going through that, um, that's a real joy to yeah. me, um, to, to feel like I've made a connection with somebody and made them comfortable enough to share their story, um, that's deeply satisfying. Yeah, that's that's fun. Yeah. That's fun. All right, let, let's talk nitty-gritty for just a few minutes yep. um, before we wrap up. So you've got you know, five people on your team, as we mentioned. On a day-to-day basis, how are you sharing files? Tell me about your, your workflow. How are you sharing files? How are you communicating? Um, because you know, I know a lot of producers that are growing their team and that there's growing pains there. Yeah. You know, it's it's um, it's really interesting. I mean, we're pretty down and dirty, right? There's a lot of software out there. There's a lot of pieces of equipment that we could buy, but we're pretty down and dirty. I mean, we essentially have a giant Drobo RAID drive that, um, you know, is, is sort of home to all of our master and project files. And then um, we work off of right now, I mean, you know, things could change, but we work off of, you know, big portable project drives that we all work on. Um, and believe it or not, you know, the, the easiest, most cost-effective solution is a, is a little uh, piece of software called CD Finder, which is like, you know, it's essentially a, a file mapping software. Um, you plug in a hard drive, label the hard drive, and it maps all the files on it. And so essentially, you know, I may have 100 hard drives, where actually there's 143 if you really want to know the <laughs> truth, uh, sitting on a shelf that all have project files on them. Um, that are all mapped in the CD Finder. So at any given point, I can go into my CD Finder database and go, I need that interview with Kelly from 2012, click search, and that tells me to go to the shelf and pull hard drive 122, right? Realizing that's probably, if we had all the money in the world, that's not the way we would solve the problem, right? But it works. Hard drives go bad, things go bad, right? But... um, 
we keep finals and we keep clean versions, you know, no music, no graphics, all on the Drobo, and that gets backed up to a second Drobo. So at the very minimum, we have full-time access to, you know, our project files, our masters, and some of our most critical element B-roll that yeah. we keep. And then everybody can hit that Drobo across the network and pull down what they need. Everything else lives on project drives that are mapped with a simple $9 CD finder software. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to cover? Or? No, I'm, I'll say um, one of the things that has been sort of game-changing for us from a, from a software online service um, recently, and, and there are lots more of them now, but um, sort of an online review tool um, called Whipster. Um, Whipster, how do you spell that? W-I-P-S-T-E-R, Whipster. Um, there's now a pricing structure associated with it, and there's some back and forth about whether there's the real value there, but I think there is. Um, of course, there was certainly value there when it was free. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, um, you can upload uh, a video. So you've got a draft of a video that you need those folks to collaborate on, like we talked about earlier. Um, and they literally can watch the video and click and leave comments frame by frame within the video. And then it creates basically an edit punch list for you oh, wow. um, at the end. It's been really helpful for us because as we're sending around a draft of a product that five or six people need to look at, as you can imagine, when we would do that before, we'd send the file, and we'd get one person that came back and said, love the music. Another person that would come back and go, oh, the music's not right, or this graphic is in the wrong place, or this graphic is perfect. So what it allows is when people go in, they can see everybody else's comments. Ah, so it's so kind of self uh, It's self-policing, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, right? that's nice. And so that's everybody's nice. able to sort of see the whole picture of what everybody liked or didn't like, and it makes it really easy for us yeah. to then go in and work down the punch list of edits or changes that need to be made. Um, upload a new version to the same link. It gets an alert that says, hey, a new version's been uploaded, um, yeah. which is nice. It's, it's a very helpful tool for us when you think about That's multiple whip- people having to review a project. Whipster. Yep. As far as team communication, is it mostly email, or do you use uh, Instant me- Messenger? How, how is all that handled? It's a combination of both. Um, I think a lot of my team likes to communicate over IM. I'm... I'm you know, more old school. I, I get up and uh, I like to call them hallway conversations. I get up, you know, we're all right here in the same area. So I'd much rather get up and pop my head in your office and ask you a question. Just it's good for me to stretch my legs and mental health. But it's also I, I like that face to face communication. And I know with distributed teams, it's not always easy. You know, when you've got one in Seattle and one in Atlanta and spread out. And um, but when you have the opportunity to do that face to face communication, I like to do it. Awesome. Andy Huff for the American Cancer Society. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed talking and, uh, you know, appreciate uh, the opportunity to share a little bit about what we do. All right. Hope you enjoyed episode two of Inside the Control Room. If you want to see a video tour of Andy's control room and studio, go to our website, inthecr.com. Also, if you like the show, please give us a review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. That would really help out a lot. Or email me, bo at inthecr.com. Until next time, have a great show, everybody. Everybody.